Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today I'm going to talk to you about the subject of guidance, and Elijah is going to be our example. In Elijah's life, there was a time when God spoke to him and said, I want you to leave here and go there. Once he got there, there became here. And he stayed there long enough for when God finally said to him again, now I want you to leave here and I want you to go there. But each time he told him, your provision is already there. There's birds flying, they're going to drop the food for you, and there's a woman that's going to provide for you. God always sends your provision before he tells you where to go. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word. This is Pastor Bob Yandian. It's a great day and it's a good day to go to the Word of God and it's great to have you here with me in the neighborhood, I guess. So anyway, thank you for joining me today. We're gonna be talking about the subject of guidance and uh, some of it's gonna come from my book called, called Let God's Will Find You, but I also have a flash drive and on that flash drive is going to be the series I'm teaching now on the subject of guidance. And so today, Elijah is going to be the main one we're going to be looking at and talk about how God guided him. In this book that I've got right here, I simply point out The name of the book is Let God's Will Find You. And so often we run around looking for the will of God. In fact, I have met 50, 60 year old people that still don't know what the will of God is for their life. And the reason why is they've run from here to there looking for it when God simply says, stand still and watch the deliverance of the Lord. Throughout the word of God, people were working, just simply working and God came to them and showed them what he would have them to do. And so uh, we have Moses who was tending sheep when he saw the burning bush and David was tending sheep when the prophet came to his place and told him that he would be the next uh, uh, he would be the next king of Israel. And we also have Gideon was on the threshing floor when the angel came to him in the New Testament, they were fishing, collecting taxes, taking care of widows in the church and God brought his will to them. The same thing happens today. God's looking for people that are doing something. And so we find that when Elijah just suddenly came on the scene, he was a doer. And while he was doing things, God would guide him. And he's a great example of guidance, but also a great example of how he missed the will of God by jumping in and trying to form his own guidance. And oftentimes we do that. This book will be a great blessing to you. And listen, and for those of you watching today, in fact, I have a praise report. I want to read it to you. It's from uh, Iwama. And Awoma says, God bless you. You have been a great blessing to me and my ministry, and we celebrate you, sir. I like that, sir. Haven't been called sir very often, but anyway, thank you, Awoma, for that praise report. And listen, for those of you who have praise reports, would you contact us and uh, just send in a little note and tell us something, you know, like what the what the broadcast has meant to you. If you have criticism, well, go ahead and write it. I'm not sure it'll end up on the broadcast, but anyway, uh, let me know. And so if you have some compliments or you have anything else to say about the broadcast, let me know because the, there's certain ones we'll put on the broadcast and let people know how it's been a, a blessing to you. And I think there's many people out there, this has been a blessing to you, you just haven't said anything. And please, let that come because your compliments, your your simple testimony of what the word has meant to you can be a blessing to someone else. And so thank you. And so 1 Kings chapter 17 is where we're headed to. Take a look at verses two through four. And here it says, the word of the Lord came to him, that is Elijah saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. It will be that you will drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. 
This is after that Elijah stood before the king and prophesied it wouldn't rain for the next three and a half years. And the moment he said that, he became target number one for the king. And the king decided, I'm going to kill this guy. Well, for protection, God just told him where he wanted him to go. At that moment, God said, get away from here and go there. Two words I want you to understand. You are either here or you're headed toward there. Once you get there, there becomes here and God will direct you again. God always directs you from here to there. And once you're there for a while, he'll guide you now from here to there somewhere else. I know that's a deep subject, so think about that for just a moment. But honestly, it makes it brings it down to the simplicity of hearing from God. Are you in the place where God spoke to you last time and said to go uh, here? Are you are you here now because God spoke to you one day and said, I want you to go there, and now you've been here? So again, by being here and staying in God's will is important, but maybe sometimes you get frustrated. You think, when's God ever gonna call me into a greater ministry? You just be patient. You just be uh, thankful toward God. Keep doing what he's told you to do, and the God that told you to move from uh, the place you came to here now will tell you again where to go from here. So the point of it is it comes back to it that he was now being told from God, run over here. And where did God want him to go? He said, get away from here in verse three and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you will drink from the brook and I have past tense commanded the ravens to feed you there. So what the Lord is saying is I'm calling you there, but I've already made provision. God always makes provision before he calls you. And right now you are here, but if he's called you there, the ravens are already there. In fact, they're circling, waiting because they know you're coming. Now, here's the point. If you don't go, Elijah, those birds will circle for a while and then they're going to leave. I've asked them to go there and they're making provision for you. Here's the point. God always provides before he guides. And once God guides you, the provision is already there. God will never lead you to a place then forget your provisions while you're there. So before he went to the brook, God told him to leave here and go there. God had commanded the ravens to go to Cherith and they were already on the way because why? God guides and provides beforehand before you ever get there. So wherever God guides you and leads you, you can go there knowing that the birds have already been there and the birds have already provided for you, even though you may not see them at the moment. If Elijah stayed here, he would miss God's provision there. God didn't command the woman to provide for Elijah later, nor did he speak to Elijah until the brook had already dried up. Once the brook dried up, then God God told him, I want you to move from here to there. And God's going to already have a woman to provide for him when he got to the next place he was going to. It simply comes back to this again. God didn't speak before the water dried up, nor did Elijah try to leave before he heard from God. The next drink he would have drank would be dust. He stayed there until it was dust. And when it was dust, he still stayed there. In other words, he wasn't going to move based on circumstances. Circumstances were not his guide. He stayed in places even when his life was in danger because he only moved when God told him to move. We often mistake that. And we think circumstances are dictating to us. We need to get out of there. But don't move if you're waiting for the will of God until he speaks to you because this is where the ravens are bringing everything. And this is where the brook is. But even when the brook is drying up or one day the birds don't happen to drop by, that may be your indicator a change is coming, but don't you move until you hear from God. The verse, jump down with me to verse eight. The Lord is speaking here for him to go to Zarephath. And it says in 1 Kings 17, 8, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. 
We're going from here to there now. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Elijah's time at the brook was over. God's direction change was to move from here and go there. And again, God had already commanded the woman to provide for him. God continues to provide before he calls. He may call you to a place that looks like there's nothing there, but God will provide. Many ministers I know have been called and sent to a small church in a small town run by a dominating board and they get there and find out, man, this is great pressure. What am I going to do? And they're tempted to leave based on circumstances. Did God call you to come here? Yes. Was it clear? Well, it seemed like it was clear. And I said, yes. And I got, then listen, if God called you here and you know, you had an inkling from God, just a simple guidance from him to get to this place, I can just simply tell you, you may not see him, but the birds are circling right now because they got to that place before you got to that place because God's provision was already there. And many pastors will tell me, I stayed long enough to find out, man, there was finances coming in from here, from there. Ministries opened up beside the church and God used that place and that church as a great blessing for me to advance. And then one day he called me from there and sent me somewhere else. After this, Elijah called out fire from heaven and he came here to this place where the woman was. And when he got there, and again, the, the widow that provided for him, when he got there, she was already in need. In fact, what he found out was this. He got there and he probably thought, well, this widow, maybe her husband was rich and he died. And this is just my imagination. This is how I would think, wow, I've moved from this place where I'm eating from birds, you know, and there's not a whole lot there. And I'm drinking out of a brook. Now I'm coming to a place where this woman's a widow. Maybe her husband was quite wealthy and she's got plenty of food. Maybe there's a bedroom for me and a place where I can lay down on a nice bed. He started thinking about all these things, but you know what happened when he got there, when he was sent from here and he went there? Once he got there, he found out that she was eating her last piece of cake. It was a little tiny like this, and she and her son were going to eat it, and they planned on dying after that. But you know, the same way that God provided for Elijah when his brook was drying up, he provided for the woman when this was her last morsel to eat. And both of them were facing the same calamity. If this thing fell through, there was nothing for them to eat. And it would look like they had missed God completely. But I can tell you this, if you know you've heard from God, you step out despite the circumstances. So anyway, you know the story. Is it what he told her was, well, then you tear me off a tiny piece of it first. First, I'm supposed to give you first? Yes, give me the first fruits of that little tiny cake. So he tore, she tore a little piece off and gave it to him. She and her son split the rest of it. And all of a sudden, God took care of her from that time on. I mean, her meal barrel didn't fail. The oil didn't fail. God provided for her all the time until the time of the drought was over that Elijah had called down on the nation as he stood before the king. So how about Elijah's public ministry? Well, after this, Elijah called down fire from heaven and saw 480 prophets of Baal killed. And then he outran Ahab's chariot ahead of an incoming supernatural rainstorm. In other words, this was three and a half years after he had stood before him before. And in those three and a half years, he's been up to the mountain and there he was fed by the birds. He'd been with the, with the widow and uh, God provided supernaturally for her. And so he did have more food and provisions the second time. But again, he still knows one thing. I am in the middle of God's will. God hasn't told me to go from here to there until God spoke to him and said, now it's time to go back. It's been three and a half years and you go back and this, this storm is going to come and this drought's going to be over. And so Elijah went back again, stood in front of the, of the prophets of Baal and challenged them to call down fire from heaven. They tried and nothing happened. 
He spoke one time and fire descended from heaven, came down and licked up the water that was on the altar and, and burned up the offering that was there. And the people fell down all over the entire place. The people of the nation fell down and he slew the 480 prophets of Baal. And then the king got in his chariot and was going back home as fast as he could. And Ahab is going as fast as he could. There was a storm coming behind. And Elijah has simply picked up the skirts of his garment and he outran Ahab's chariot back to Jezreel. There was an incoming supernatural rainstorm coming and that thing came. Your difficult beginnings are used by God to grow your faith. Your ministry moves you on to greater blessings and places and visibility, but your character is shaped by your difficult beginnings. Your attitude should remain at Cherith and Zarephath, and you know that your attitude with there was to total dependence on God. So I don't care if you come to a place where it looks like everything is provided, your total dependence still comes upon God. And this is merely a reward of being faithful here, being faithful here, and now being faithful here. When God calls you and says, Although you are here, I want you to move over there. You can bank on it. You may run into trouble when you go there. Even when you come back to a place of great provision, as he had now come back to, he had resistance from the prophets of Baal, resistance from the king, as he stood in front of the people and God vindicated him there. And we'll talk about this when we come back from the break. See you right after halftime. Christians often ask, how can I know the voice of the Lord? Or how do I get his guidance? Pastor Bob Yandian's series, Guidance, will help set you on the right path to hearing from God and knowing what comes from him and what doesn't. We often make the mistake of wanting God to lead us by wonders and outward signs, when the vast majority of his guidance actually comes through the word of God and the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. We must come to understand that we do not have the ability to guide ourselves, just as we do not have the ability to save ourselves or heal ourselves. Guidance explores the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit and examines in detail the two ways God leads his children. To order the Guidance series, visit our website at bobyendian.com. If you don't know God's will for your life, you can find yourself in a wilderness of confusion. Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Which church should I be in? And how do I even know when I've found His will? Or when it seems that you have actually found God's will, the question arises, is this really God's will or just my own personal desire? The answer to finding God's will is to let His will find you. In this small but powerful little book, Bob Yandian answers all these seemingly complex questions with clear and simple biblical instruction and makes finding God's will for your life an easy task. To order Let God's Will Find You, visit the online bookstore at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Welcome back. For those of you who are not partners with me, would you seriously consider becoming a partner with me? For those of you who maybe have watched quite a few broadcasts in this 
this broadcast has become a very important part of your knowledge of the Word of God. Would you join me as a partner? I'd love to have you because you don't have God here, partners. Oh, you say, yeah, but God's brought you here, but God uses people. He always uses people. And the best ones he uses are those whose hearts are joined to me. If your heart has become joined to this ministry, you enjoy the teaching of the Word of God. And so much of the Word is opened up because of this. Then would you become a partner with me and help me take this ministry to others? Simply go to my website, bobyandian.com. You can find a place there on the website to become a partner with me. And I thank you in advance. Obscurity is where God prepares us for public ministry. It happens throughout the word of God. We find in different uh, ministries in the word of God, Moses was taken into obscurity. Saul of Tarsus was taken from huge public display as even Moses was. Moses stood in front of the multitudes of, of Egypt, and they knew him because he was part of the government of that nation, and God banished him to the backside of the wilderness. The same thing happened to Saul of Tarsus later. This man was known everywhere, and suddenly he just disappeared for some 14 years. He said, I was unknown by face for 14 years. And finally, when he emerged, he came out as a different man and so did Moses. But this is where God prepares us for public ministry, but God always provides for us. If it's in obscurity, God provides for us. If it's back in public ministry, God still provides for us. So you do not always remain in one place forever. Times come to change location, but always it requires the voice of God. I mean, the very beginning, the best thing you can do when you first get a call from God, just go study, begin to pray, get involved helping people, uh, teach a class if you, if you, if you can teach and whatever, you know, you, your hand finds to do, just start doing it because that's what God looks for. If you can usher in your church, if you can be a greeter at the front door, if you can just come and help them sweep up and mop up and clean the place and take care of children, whatever it is, you just look for something to do. And in the meantime, doors will begin to open. God looks for faithful people to do that. He's not gonna say to you, well done, good and qualified servant. He's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. And God's looking for faithfulness. Times come and locations change. But again, it always requires the voice of God. And even if it's something small, sometimes God would just direct it the smallest of way, but God always speaks at the right time. God's voice also guarantees he has sent provisions ahead of time, such as the birds that were gonna feed him, and he'd already spoken to a woman to sustain him in Zarephath. Your location can change, but your calling does not change. God never radically changes a ministry. In Elijah's ministry, God kept adding small things to his ministry, but his main ministry stayed the same. I've gone to churches before and I'll go back maybe a year later and the church looks totally different. I was in one church, the pastor was dressing, you know, kind of casual and all that. I, he looked very good. And the church looked wonderful. He had a great time in the ministry. I came back about a year and a half later to speak at that same church and he had on a backward collar and things were done in a liturgical manner. I said, what happened? He said, oh, God told me I was going down the wrong road. Listen, if you were radically wrong, then God was radically wrong. And if God told you to change and now you've changed, well, I trust you've heard God this time, but you know what? Two or three years later, I came back and it was gone in another direction. And he kept acting like God just simply just changes your direction of your ministry. Listen, God can add to, but God will never radically change a ministry. For God to radically change your ministry, you had to be radically wrong. 
Understand that. So God will always modify. God will always change. God will always make small changes, but he's always headed toward the right direction. God will get rid of things in your life as you go because he wants to again, get you stronger in a direction. And again, God never radically changes your ministry. Every season of your ministry is a fine tuning of your calling. Each day of your ministry leads you to a brighter day. Your call constantly moves from the good to the more acceptable and finally to the perfect will of God. We find that in Paul's ministry from the backside of the wilderness to where he began teaching in a few churches. Then finally, God gave him his calling to the rest of the world. And by the time he got to the end of his ministry, he was affecting the entire world from prison, writing the books of the Bible, of which still are being studied today of a man that could not get out, but simply was chained in there, but could write the word of God and minister the word of God. Paul's progress came by moving from here to there, just as Elijah's ministry progress came from moving from here to there. And guess what? It has not changed. Old Testament, New Testament, no matter where it was, the ones who pleased God the most were those who waited on the Lord to show them what to do. Galatians chapter one, verse 15 through 17, Paul is here mentioning, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, and here's what his grace was, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. At the time of the revelation, he was not preaching to the Gentiles yet. He said that I might preach him to the Gentiles. God gave him the grace of a call on his life and then revealed Jesus Christ to him through the Holy Spirit and especially through his study of the word of God. And then one day the doors start opening up for him to preach. But notice this again, the whole purpose of being called by grace and the revelation of Jesus Christ was that he might might preach him among the Gentiles. He said, immediately, I did not confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I didn't kick down my own door. I didn't try to open up my own window. I didn't try to make my own call come to pass. And that's often what we do. He says, I simply, at the end of that verse 17, went to Arabia and then later returned again to Damascus. You know where Arabia is? It's the same place where Moses went on the back backside of the wilderness, and there he was tending sheep. Paul went to the backside of the wilderness, and there he was tending over the word of God, and God provided for him for some 14 years, and just like he had provided for Moses for 40 years on the backside of the wilderness. Moses moved from here to there because of preparation, and so did Saul. Saul was taken from here to there and remained there for some time until God finally opened up a door and told him that he can now begin to go into the ministry. When called, Paul was sent away, hidden in the backside of the wilderness, began preaching later and was still unknown to the church leadership in Judea for 40 years. Paul was the second graduate of the wilderness. Moses was the first. But we find here in the story we've been looking at that Elijah was pretty much the same. He was in a wilderness for quite a while up on a mountain and nobody was there and drank from a brook until it dried up and, and, and the birds came and fed him. Then he was with a lady, a very poor lady and her son, a widow. And so again, before his salvation and call though, Paul was called the chief of sinners, highly known by Jews and Gentiles, believers and unbelievers. But what God had to do was sweat Moses out of Moses before using him. And God had to sweat Saul out of Paul 
before using him. Saul was well known, but he was a man that was well known for abusing Christians. He was known for uh, disobeying God of the New Testament. He was known as an unbeliever as and as a violent unbeliever. God had to sweat all of that out before he finally became the apostle Paul that changed the world so much. Paul laid in his ministry, still considered himself to be less than the least of all saints. Paul eventually reached his high calling. What is a high calling? I like to think of a high calling this way. It's much like starting in a, in a you know, an industry somewhere and you start there pushing brooms and you're down there with, you know, the four or five guys that have the brooms and you move up from there and you might go to the mail department and you work in the mail department. Then you might go to there and you become kind of a, a general manager over a certain section and you go from there and you become an assistant. And from there you can move on up to one day you became maybe a, a vice president of the company to one day you're the actual president of the company. What happened? The amount of people you oversee becomes greater and greater. That's what happens with a high calling. But also I want you to notice so much of the labor shifts from your hands and your body to your mind. And you begin to think one decision by the president of a company can affect thousands and thousands of people. When Paul reached his high calling, he was in a prison. But you know what? Every word he wrote affected the entire world and they're still affecting the world today. And this is what happens is the longer you stay with God and work with him, you eventually you reach that high calling where it seems like you do less today as far as physically doing things, but oh, the dynamics go out, out incredibly. I mean, I think today of this broadcast, I'm here doing this broadcast and this is going around the entire world. We get letters from around the world. We get input from around the world. We get offerings from around the world. We get people requesting material from around the world and we get praise reports of how the word of God has so drastically changed your life. And I'm here to tell you, if I outlive the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm gone to heaven and Jesus hasn't come back yet, I can tell you this, this will still keep going on and still keep going on because what you do for God remains forever. And so this is, I'm not saying it's just about me. It's about you too. You that are watching this broadcast, God has a high calling for you, but you know what happens between now and the time you get to that high calling? Listen to the Lord and know when it's time to go from here to there. Understand God's calling on your life. And again, what he would have for you to do. Well, what we have after this in the story of Elijah is he ran. Once the storm hit and he began to run, Elijah outran Ahab's chariot. But the next morning, he got a note from Jezebel saying, I'm going to kill you. She didn't mean to. She wasn't going to kill him. She was afraid of him. If she really wanted to kill him, she should have sent a guy with a dagger and just killed him right there on the spot. But she didn't do that. No, she sent a note hoping to frighten him. And guess what? It worked. He ran from a note. He didn't run from a sword. He didn't run from a dagger. He ran from a note that said, I'm going to kill you. And he turned around and ran. God didn't tell him to run. No, the queen was telling him to run. And he listened to the queen. He didn't get a note from God. He didn't get a nudge from God, a, a pushing from the Holy Spirit. It's time to get away from here and go to there. But he picked his own there and he ran. In 1 Kings chapter 19, it tells us in verse one, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. So let the gods do to me and more if I do not make your life as one of those by tomorrow about that time. And he arose and ran for his life. His life wasn't being threatened. He imagined that it was and went to Beersheba, which is part of Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, is it's enough. 
Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel, this is Jesus Christ himself, touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and there was a, there was a piece of cake baking on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too difficult for you. So he rose and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Let me tell you what happened to him. Because of being frightened by the queen, he ran and he picked his own there to go to. But when he went there, the Lord asked him in 1 Kings 19, 9, and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? You should be there. I didn't send you here. You sent yourself here. Repent, turn around and go back to where you're supposed to go. But he wouldn't do it. In fact, he just kept arguing with God until God finally and eventually replaced him with Elisha. I'm here to tell you, if you keep rebelling against God's will and you keep creating your own here when God didn't send you here, you try to go there when God didn't send you there, there's gonna come a time when he'll put somebody in that will listen to his voice and do exactly what he said he wanted to do. But if that's you, why don't you just simply repent? Get back into God's will, open your heart up to him, and there's yet great guidance to come for your life. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.